Hello and welcome to the Bothering Strangers podcast. My guest today is former NFL quarterback and member of the National Jewish Museum Sports Hall of Fame, Jay Feather. Jay, how are you doing? Uh, good. How are you, Max? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you are. You are actually my earliest interview in the day. <laughs> I, so- I would hope so. I, you know, otherwise, you'd be getting up uh, in darkness out there. Yeah, eight a.m. was like, oh man, am I gonna make it? But no, I made it. So uh, I guess we'll just I'll just get right into it. You be, you were inducted into the National Jewish Museum Sports Hall of Fame in two thousand two. You're one of two people inducted that year. Was uh, was Judaism a big part of your life when you were in college in the NFL as well? Uh, well, you know, I, I grew up uh, in Long Island and uh, uh, you know Reform Synagogue. Um, you know, we we celebrated all the holidays. We uh, uh, you know, uh, identified, uh, you know, strongly with, with Jewish heritage. I, you know, my family is involved in summer camp business, which, uh, you know, has strong ties to yep. you know, the Judaism, uh, you know, at the, you know, with Brookwood camps, uh, there. And, uh, uh, you know, I got by bar mitzvah and, uh, bar mitzvah and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, after a bar mitzvah, like, many reformed Jews, uh, you know, you kind of get away from, uh, you know, the hardcore, uh, 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 uh practice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Judaism, Judaism was always part of, you know, our family life, uh, you know, our heritage, uh, the community. Uh, so, you know, that continued, uh, you know, all the way through. So, well, the NFL is like one of those sports. It's like not, no, no sport in America is very Jewish, but specifically speaking, the NFL is not very Jewish. And then you were a quarterback, and that's like also just something that was like you have Josh Rosen, that's somewhere in the NFL now, I think, and he's Jewish. But before that, it was you. For for there was a lot, there's a big gap between Jewish quarterbacks. So yeah. was that was that like were you were you ever on a team where there was another Jewish player, or were you were you always the only one? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Sage Rosenfelds was a teammate. Uh of mine down in Miami. Uh, now Sage is, uh, uh, not really, not a practicing Jew. His dad was Jewish. His mom wasn't, uh, um, you know, but, uh, he certainly is, you know, half Jewish, uh, and, uh, you know, appreciates the heritage, uh, you know, that, that, that he has with that. Well, so Miami, that was, that was like where, you know, you had the, the most success in your career. Sure. You know, cause you were, starting most years and you kind of went in between starting and and backup so how did uh when you you signed like a three-year a three-year contract with miami initially yes yeah initially when you got there was were you were you thinking that you were going to come and be the starter or what was or was it just kind of like you're gonna have to fight for a starter spot what was your where where, where was your head at when you signed with, with the dolphins in 2000 uh well, well i signed with them uh you know under the uh, you know, expectation that I was competing for the starting job. Uh, so Dan Marino just retired. Uh, his backup, Damon Heward, uh, was still with the team. Uh, and they brought me in basically to compete with Damon, Damon uh, for that starting job. And you, f- for most of that time, were the starter. But in 2004, this is, what I want, this is what I'm very interested in. In 2004, you know, you were like the starter, then you became the backup, and then you – became the starter again. So how do you, as like a backup in the NFL, because you have NFL players who have been career backups. 
Mm-hmm. That wasn't you, but there were guys who really carved careers out of that. How do you kind of keep your mind fresh, you know, just being prepared, just knowing that you might be thrown back into a game anytime because of injury or just a, a player playing worse? Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I was a backup for, you know, and I didn't see, you know, regular field action for, for five, six years before I became the starter in, in Miami. Uh, so, you know, I understood what it took, uh, you know, to, to, to get yourself prepared to, you know, get the mental reps when, you, when you're not necessarily getting all the physical reps in practice, uh, you know, to visualize the game, uh, you know, from, from afar. Uh, and, and still get the physical conditioning and, and practice in that you need to, to, to be sharp, uh, you know, if called upon. So, you know, my career went, you know, from a couple of years in Philadelphia as a, as a third string quarterback, uh, was out of the league. I played in, uh, in NFL Europe, uh, I coached uh, college for a couple of years uh, at Hofstra University, uh, came back and, and played in uh, uh, Minnesota, where I finally, you know, got on the field for the first time. Uh, in regular season in games, but it was all, you know, that year was all cleanup duty, uh, you know, at the end of games, uh, you know, when, when, when uh, you know, the games were, were decided. So it wasn't, you know, true competitive action, but, uh, you know, was getting in and, and getting the feel of, of being on the field again. And then, uh, you know, Jacksonville the following year was when, you know, I finally got my first, uh, uh, you know, real taste of competitive regular season football. Uh, got in a few games, uh, you know, as, uh, as a backup to Mark Brunel and then got my first start towards the end of the season uh, uh, there. And that helped, you know, that that, that start that I had uh, right before playing the Dolphins in, in the playoff game, uh, you know, really helped advance my career because uh, the Dolphins were able to see me, scout me uh, some, uh, and, and get noticed for the following year when they were looking for uh, another guy to come in and, and compete with Heward to be their next starter. When you look back to those first five or six seasons when you're in the NFL and NFL Europe, you know, kind of bouncing around, just trying to see if you have a career, was, were there any starting quarterbacks that you played under that you were like, that really helped you? Uh, yeah, you know, everywhere you go, you, you kind of pick something up from, uh, you know, from the, from the people you play with, from, you know, the coaches that you had, uh, you know, I had tremendous coaches, uh, you know, throughout my career, um, you know, Philadelphia and in, and in Minnesota, uh, Randall Cunningham was, uh, was the starting quarterback ahead of me. Uh, um, you know, our games were a little bit different, uh, uh, style. He was, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the street ball playground, uh, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, love to improvise a tremendous athlete, uh, uh, you know, getting out of the pocket and making things happen. Um, you know, and you learn some of that, uh, you know, uh, game from him, uh, you know, play with Rodney Pete, uh, you know, mm. as well. in in uh, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, you know, it was with Randall and Brad Johnson uh, in uh, in Minnesota, Mark Brunel in, in uh, uh, Jacksonville. But I'd, I'd say I probably learned more from, you know, the coaches that I was with uh, at those places. You know, John Gruden coming in my second year uh, in, in Philadelphia, you know, really advanced my, uh, you know, football knowledge of, of learning with him, learning how to study, learning how to analyze uh, film, uh, learning what it takes, you know, the quarterback position, 
to 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 get your players in the right situation to uh, you know manage the game uh, effectively, learn uh, you know the the, the communication practices, uh, uh, you know how to get things out quickly, and and uh, you know really put pressure on defenses, uh, you know with your actions. Uh, you know, and then in uh, in Minnesota, Brian Billick, uh, you know, was offensive coordinator. Tremendous uh, uh, learning from from him and understanding matchups and uh, you know how to attack your your, your matchups uh, uh, out on the field. You know, obviously we had you know that offense in Minnesota with Randy Moss's rookie year, Chris Carter, Jake Reed. Uh, you know, as your receiver trio, you were going to create a pretty good matchup somewhere on the field. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so you know he just with talent like that, it was, you know, better to just simplify the game, you know, find your matchups and let them make a play. Uh, and then, you know, Tom Coughlin in, in, uh, in Jacksonville, uh, you know, learned a ton from him and, and just how to prepare for every single situation uh, possible. He was, you know, the best head coach I had ever been uh, under in terms of, you know, you know, preparing a team to play every week. Uh, you know, and then uh, and then getting down to, to, to Miami with Dave Wanstatt and uh, uh, Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator, North Turner after him, uh, you know, all those coaches. I picked up, you know, a little bit of something, you know, from everyone. I think, uh, you know, everywhere you go, if you could pick up, you know, just one or two things from the people that you meet, from the teachers that you have, from, you know, the coaches that, uh, that you work with, from your teammates, and apply that to – uh, you know, how, how you attack the game or attack whatever, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, trying to learn, uh, you know, and then add some of your individual, uh, uh, you know, perspective to it. You know, that's how you grow and that's how you learn and that's how you, you become better at, uh, uh, you know, whether it's playing the game of football or, or whether it's, you know, uh, advancing your career in, in business or, uh, or elsewhere. When you like look back to those first five or six years previous to uh, Miami, was there where you? I mean, you did take some time off, and you know, did coach a Hofstra, but was there where you like were you trying to just stay in the NFL as long as possible, or were you like maybe I just wasn't meant to be like a career NFL player? Well, I was. You know, I always had in the back of my mind that I, that I, you know, if I got an opportunity, then you know, I knew I had the ability to play, uh, you know, both physically and, uh, and mentally to, to be an NFL quarterback, to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, you know, it was just a matter of finding that opportunity, finding that chance and, and sticking, you know, uh, sticking around long enough to, to get there. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of other guys, uh, you know, could have been in the same situation as me. And, you know, after a couple of years out of, uh, you know, out of the league, just giving up and, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, before Minnesota uh, brought me in for the workout uh, in spring of 98, uh, you know, that was kind of my last ditch effort uh, to get back into the league. You know, it's been two years, uh, you know, since I got uh, released by, by Philadelphia in 96. And, um, and then, uh, you know, being out of football, uh, you know, I had, you know, tried to work my way back in uh, when I was coaching at Hofstra. There were scouts that came by to look at, uh, you know, the players on the team. And, you know, I'd always kind of, you know, get in there and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm still uh, still available too. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't have to just, uh, you know, get the college guys. You got a guy who's, who's been in the league, uh, 
uh, you know, ready, ready to go. So, you know, I was always trying to keep my, keep myself uh, uh, focused and, and, uh, and ready to play. Uh, and, you know, really in, in, you know, winter of 97, 98, after the, uh, you know, 97 uh, football season, uh, you know, I basically put together a whole package that, uh, we sent out to every single NFL team, every uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, QB coach with, you know, highlight film. Uh, you know, we, we copied uh, a whole lot of VHS tapes back uh, back then, uh, sent it out with a whole package, uh, you know, of my resume. And, uh, you know, and that was really my, you know, last effort to, to get in. If that didn't work, uh, you know, I probably would have moved on and, and maybe ended up, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, doing the coach coaching full time, um, you know, but uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, have a, a quarterback coach in Minnesota who, uh, you know, had a had a connection to, to Dartmouth College and, and uh, you know, remembered, uh, you know, me playing there. And there weren't, you know, very many coaches or, or, or uh, you know, in the NFL that, you know, would follow uh, Ivy League football and uh, and yeah. know the players there. So uh, you know, having that connection and and uh, you know him, you know, kind of sticking his neck out and saying, hey, you know, let's bring this guy in for a workout. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful to to Chip Myers, who uh, uh, you know was was the QB coach in in Minnesota, who you know really got me back into the league and uh, you know allowed me to extend my career from what could have been two years and out, uh, uh, you know, without ever, you know, seeing any NFL action uh, in the regular season to a full 10 year career with five years as, as a starting quarterback. Yeah. I was, I was about to say, it's like, I feel like like 10 years in the NFL at any position is that's like a long career right there. Yes. So, absolutely. so what do you, so what do you think? Like when you look back, what do you think the keys are to, starter or not just having like an actual like long career in the NFL because injury is so prevalent there's all these issues so what do you think are like, the keys to that well you know the, the, you can't uh, you know you can't account for injuries obviously right. you know you got to be able to uh, you know be lucky and, and not have the, the devastating injury that uh, you know that, that forces you out of football but uh, you know everyone plays hurt everyone you know, uh, you know has to learn how to play with something bothering them uh, throughout the season. Uh, and if you're lucky enough not to get, uh, you know, the, the, the big injuries that, uh, you know, affect your performance, uh, you know, going forward, then, uh, you know, then it becomes about, uh, you know, how smart a player you are, uh, you know, how, how well you, you know the system and how well uh, you're able to, to operate on the field, uh, uh, you know, limiting, uh, limiting mistakes with the, uh, you know, your knowledge of the game and, and knowing how to, how to play the game is, you know, the, the, the first and foremost thing in, in, in terms of uh, elongating your career, uh, you know, and then obviously, uh, you know, being able to go out and, and perform when called upon, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, the guys have limited chances to, to, to really prove themselves. And, uh, you know, if you don't prove yourself that first time you get that chance, sometimes, uh, you know, you're not going to get another yeah. one. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's twofold. It's, you know, knowing that you could be a, a reliable guy that knows the game and, and two performing and executing when uh, when called upon. I also want to ask you about Dartmouth, because like like you mentioned, uh, 
players in the Ivy Leagues are not getting a lot of looks at the NFL. So, you know, you're from Long Island and you now live in Long Island. Uh, you went to Dartmouth when you were back in the 90s, when you were like looking at colleges, were you thinking ahead to the NFL or were you just thinking like, I want a good education and to play football? Uh, no, nah, you know, the NFL was the farthest thing from my mind, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, coming out of high school, uh, you know, I wanted to wanted to continue playing football and play at the college level. And, you know, that, that that's as far as I thought I was uh, ever going to get, to be honest, uh, you know, coming out of high school, I, I thought I had a better shot at getting to the Olympics uh, in track and field than I, than I did at uh, playing football in the NFL. So, um you know, Dartmouth was, uh, was, was chosen, you know, really twofold. Number one, obviously the, the, the great academic, uh, uh, degree that you're going to get from there. And, uh, you know, I had a great visit and, and just loved the community, loved the people, uh, at the college. And number two was, uh, you know, the Ivy league, uh, had a lot of people that, uh, a lot of athletes that were two sport athletes, uh, and, and really promoted it, uh, with, with their, with their athletes, uh, you know, there was probably, uh, you know, 40 to, to 50% of, of the football players, you know, played a, a spring sport, uh, whether it was track or ba- baseball or, or lacrosse, uh, um, you know, so it was uh, something that I really, uh, you know, wanted to continue doing, wanted to be a, a multi-sport athlete and, and get a great education. Uh, you know, it wasn't really until my junior year and, and, uh, uh, at Dartmouth that, uh, you know, I really kind of stat wise exploded. Uh, I was, you know, number one, uh, quarterback in passer rating, uh, in, uh, you know, the FCS a division one double a at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, started getting some looks from NFL scouts and, you know, it wasn't until then that, that I thought it was, you know, really a reality that, uh, you know, the, the, the childhood dream of playing in the NFL could, could actually happen. So were you, you, cause you were a three sport athlete, you did football, basketball, and uh, pentathlon. I think you told me uh, in high school. Yeah. Then you did decathlon and football in college. So when you were looking at college, were you just like, maybe decathlon, like maybe that's the farthest I'll go in sports, not even football. Uh, well, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, I, I, I was looking at, you know, I was, I was always a big fan of the Olympics. Uh, you know, I loved, uh, watching the Olympics and track and field, uh, portion of it, uh, um, you know, growing up in, uh, uh, you know, late seventies, early eighties, uh, you know, the Carl Lewis days of, of track yeah. and field, uh, you know, watching him dominate the Olympics in, in LA in 84 and, uh, um, you know, and, and you know the Dan and Dave uh, era of uh, of the decathlon. You know that was always you know really appealing to me, and uh, uh, you know, and I and I had more success at a younger age in track and field wow. than I did you know really in any other uh, sport. You know, I was you know, uh, you know individually recognized in, in football, but you know I played on a on a high school team that was you know five hundred at best. Uh, uh, record-wise, uh, you know, our basketball team was was, was very good in high school, uh, you know, but uh, uh, and even though I grew up in a basketball family, my dad was a high school coach, my brother played in uh, college uh, uh, ball, uh, you know, I just knew, you know, I always took to, to the other sports and, you know, had better uh, uh, 
uh, you know, overall success and and the other sports, uh, you know, more individually uh, in that track and field. Yeah, I was uh, uh, growing up, the the pentathlon had just started in New York uh, State and, uh, uh, you know, my track coach, uh, you know, kind of moved me over from just running, uh, you know, the hurdles and and, uh, intermediate uh, uh, distance uh, events and, uh, yeah, we, 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 started doing the pentathlon. I became the state champ and, and state record holder and, uh, you know, won this one state two years in a row and, uh, competed in some national, uh, level, uh, uh, you know, track and field events. Uh, you know, so just from, you know, that experience and, and, uh, the success that I had in track and field, it was, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, more feasible to, to advance, uh, in that, you know, towards the Olympics than it, than it would have been, uh, you know, at the time to, to, to get to become an NFL or NBA player. It's so interesting to say because you became like a record holder and still are a record holder with Dartmouth football. True. And, and yep. I'm such a, such a legend, among, you know, Dartmouth football, but you never know, you know, how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you this because it's relevant. Uh, so today's December 3rd, last Sunday, the Denver Broncos did not have a quarterback. Uh, they had someone playing a quarterback, but he was a wide receiver and he played quarterback in college, but he was a wide receiver. Yep. Uh, what are your like kind of thoughts on how the NFL handled that situation where they wouldn't, they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let the Broncos push their game a couple days. And yeah, like all the quarterbacks, the Broncos did make mistakes and not wearing masks, but kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I think the, the they wanted to kind of set the precedent that, uh, you know, we're serious about making sure that uh, all the players are, are adhering to the protocols now because it's it's getting a little dicey in the NFL. I think they just had to, you know, kind of make that statement, uh, you know, and even though, you know, a lot of people look at it and, uh, you know, see what, you know, that they postponed the, the Steelers-Ravens game, uh, you know, three, four times. Uh, to, to get that and, uh, you know, they played it on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, uh, you know, what, what was originally, I think, a, I think it was originally the Thursday night game the week yeah. before yep. Uh, yep. That, that, that they kept postponing. But, uh, um, you know, that postponement, you know, they'll say is, is more just because of a general outbreak that uh, that that occurred, at, you know, no real fault of uh, of the players, the uh uh, you know, seem to have followed protocol and, uh, you know, just guys got, uh, you know, it, it spread, you know, beyond their control. But, uh, you know, for the NFL, I think, like I said, it was, it was, it was a statement they were making that, you know, here we go. We're, we're in the, the latter, latter half of the season, uh, last quarter of the season, pretty much. And, uh, you know, we need, we need to get through the playoffs and, uh, you know, keep this on track. So, uh, you know, unfortunate for Denver and, uh, you know, I'm sure that quarterbacks are, are uh, you know, wearing N95s now, uh, everywhere, oh, they, yeah. <laughs> everywhere they go, uh, you know, to, to ensure, uh, uh, compliance with everything. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a tough situation. And, uh, and that guy, I, I tip my hat to him coming in, uh, yeah. uh, you know, without any reps, without any preparation, uh, you know, going out and trying to become a, you know, play a, a quarterback in the NFL, uh, you know, when you haven't done it for, for a while and you're not ready for it, uh, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of uh, uh, cojones, they say. And, uh, 
you know, so, uh, you know, kudos, kudos to him for, for, for getting out there and, and giving it a try. But, uh, uh, you know, like I said, I think, you know, the NFL is just reeling right now and just trying to make sure that they, uh, you know, get through uh, the end of the season uh, without having to cancel, uh, you know, games altogether. Somebody uh, tweeted something, and normally I don't, you know, quote tweets like this, but uh, I, thought, I thought it was really interesting where it said, it's like, it's like where they just said that somebody who, a guy who played quarterback, because this guy Kendall Hinton, who was thrown in a quarterback position, yeah. played for three years at Wake Forest. And they're like, a guy who played quarterback came into an NFL game and threw and went one for nine with two interceptions. And they're like, think about how hard it is to play in the NFL if a guy like that has that, can like, plays that poorly in a game and i understand he didn't have reps but it just kind of shows you how difficult it is yeah well, well no doubt i mean you know he had everything going up against him yeah uh, everything. everything you know in, in that situation uh you know not playing the position for for a couple of years uh uh you know not having any preparation uh in practice uh, leading up to the game you know, not getting any reps with uh, w- w- with his teammates, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's like just grabbing some guy off the street, uh, you it's know, come out and play. So, yeah, hey, maybe maybe it'll it'll quiet down some of those uh, you know high school superstars that think they could just come in and, uh, and, and do what the guys do every Sunday. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's something good that comes out of it. I hope it does, but you know, it seems like it would take a lot more than 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 one one instance to do that. Uh, so, COVID has been more of a problem with the NFL in the last couple weeks, but the college football I find has dealt with it so much worse. Where you're kind of like the way I'm looking at it right now is like, why are they having a season? Because like there's so so many games getting canceled. So what? Yeah, what, what do you like? What what's happening there? Do you know more than I do, or? Uh, no, I, I don't, uh, you know, look for the, you know, everyone's trying to, you know, find a way to get through this, uh, uh, you know, without a total shutdown and, uh, right. you know, there, there are ways that, that, that you can, you know, look, the, the NBA, you know, ran through a full season, uh, uh, they did it in the bubble and they did it effectively and they yeah. didn't have any cases. Uh, but it shows you that that you can move forward, uh, you know, with the right circumstances, with the right protocols uh, in place. Uh, you know, NFL teams have, uh, uh, you know, a lot more people to to, to contend with. Uh, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to to put you know all those people in, into a bubble. But uh, you know, I expect come playoff time they may end up uh, you know doing so. Whether it's uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, pockets of, of bubbles, you know, for, for each team, you know, in, in their, uh, you know, effective market, you know, just kind of putting them into a, you know, a bubble situation where they put the whole team in a hotel and, uh, uh, you know, keep, uh, you know, the same uh, 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 protocols in place at the NBA, uh, you know, and NHL proved were effective, uh, you know, but colleges, it's a lot harder to do that. You know, you're asking guys, to, you know, to, to go to school, to, come to practice to, you know, uh, just uh, uh, situation wise, it's, it's, it's much more difficult to, to, to control and, and, and keep, uh, uh, you know, those controls in place uh, at the college level because uh, there's a lot more factors going on, but uh, you know, they, they look, they, you know, teams have been able to, to get games in, uh, you know, get their, get their players, uh, 
you know, on the field and reps. And they've been smart when they have to cancel games and, and you know, realizing that, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it, it, it's much better off to, to uh, err on the side of caution with uh, with things, cancel a game and, and move on to the next one when everyone gets tested again. And, and you know that uh, that it's safe to do so. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Uh, I do want to ask about this before because I know we don't have all that much time left. After your NFL career, you went into ownership with an ownership group. You owned uh, the East Kentucky Miners, a, yep. a minor league basketball team. Uh, they folded after two or three seasons. But what kind of went into that decision? And what was your role like when you actually began owning them? What was your role with the team? Uh, well, I, I originally got involved, uh, you know, just as a, as a smaller investor uh, uh, in, in a group that actually owned the team down in Miami uh, um, when, when I was playing down there. And then, uh, you know, when I retired uh, uh, after uh, coming up and playing for the Jets, uh, uh, you know, I was looking for, you know, things to keep me busy. Uh, I grew up on basketball, like I said earlier, uh, loved the sport, uh, uh, you know, love watching it, uh, love playing the game, uh, uh, you know, had a, had a background in, in, in basketball and, you know, it was an opportunity for me to, to keep myself involved in athletics, uh, keep myself, uh, you know, on the forefront. So I took a, a, a you know, more, uh, a, a bigger role in, in, you know, really running the team, uh, along with, uh, you know, one of my partners and, you know, we took the team, uh, we had an opportunity, uh, in East Kentucky, which is, you know, a huge uh, heartland of basketball, yeah. uh, you know, great market for us uh, to go into. We had a great relationship with the brand new uh, arena that was just built uh, uh, in the area and, uh, you know, gave it a go. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the CBA, uh, you know, the league as a whole had uh, so had some issues, uh, you know, while we had, you know, pretty good success locally uh, in East Kentucky, uh uh, getting a good fan base going, getting, uh, you know, really good support uh, from the area. Uh, you know, we needed, you know, more support from from the league as a whole uh, to, to continue. So, you know, after a couple of years, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we folded that project up and uh, and I moved on and, and got involved in the family business after that, which is, uh, you know, running our summer camp business uh, at the Sports Academy at Brookwood Camps. Uh, you know, so that's what I'm doing now, uh, along with my brother, uh, Scott. Uh, you know, we took over the operation uh, uh, from our dad, who uh, you know was a, a longtime camp owner and operator uh, director. Uh, you know, for for a, a few different camps uh, until you know he bought uh, Brookwood in, in uh, the mid '80s. Uh, so that's uh, you know Brookwood camps has been in our family for for over 30 years now, and uh, you know we run a great program. Uh, you know, offering a mix of uh, traditional camp experience uh, with, uh, you know, some high level sports instruction uh, to it. So, you know, we bring in some, uh, some coaches in different sports uh, that are high level coaches. Uh, you know, I had been doing a lot of football training for over 20 years, uh, uh, you know, running camps and clinics and, and, and training everyone from beginners all the way up to, to professional uh uh, athletes, uh, my brother uh, being a former basketball uh, player and, and Division One basketball coach, 
uh, has a lot of relationships uh, to bring in some 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 great coaches and and uh, former players uh, to work with our kids there. We got uh, Leo Mazzoni, who's a tremendous uh, uh, pitching coach for the Atlanta Braves, probably you know known as one of the best. Uh, uh, coaches in major, major League Baseball history, uh, Coach Cy Young Awards. Uh, uh, he runs, uh, you know, a, bas- a baseball academy uh, for us. Uh, Manchester United coaches uh, coming in for soccer. So we bring in, you know, we're, we're recruiting some of the best uh, coaching talents uh, in the world to come uh, and work with our kids uh, in a great setting where they could, you know, uh, get tremendous instruction, learn, uh, you know, from the best and have a lot of fun, uh, doing it. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we, uh, offer at the uh, sports Academy of Brooklyn camps. Did it happen this year? Did you have the camp or did you do uh, something? Fortunately, we, you know, New York state shut down all, uh, sleepaway camps this year. So we uh. weren't able to, to, to run our, our, our full operation. Uh, we did, uh, you know, do a few, uh, uh, one day uh, uh, sports clinics uh, up there, which, uh, you know, we had great turnout, but uh, certainly not, uh, uh, you know, what we normally bring in, uh, you know, business and revenue wise uh, uh, for the summer. So, uh, you know, we definitely took a hit this past summer, but we're looking forward to the vaccine coming out soon and, uh, <laughs> and, and a return to normal. And I think, uh, you know, the demand for summer camp, uh, in 2021 is going to be, you know, as, as high as, as it's ever been. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm confident it'll be as high as it's ever been. I it's, it's interesting that your family owns a summer camp. It's, it's such like a Jewish business. Yep. Yes, it is. It's, it's such a, it's such a big part of American Jewish culture that it's, it's not really known in out in the outside world, I feel like, but it's such a big part. And not uh, not so much known, you know, really outside the Northeast, uh, you know, which is yeah, you know, it's not it's, of, it's not as big on the West Coast. Camp. Yeah, the you know the hub of uh, you know at least uh, the Jewish summer camp uh, experience. Uh, so yes, my parents were upset that I didn't that I didn't go. Well, they, why didn't you? Well, I went for one year. So like my dad's from New Jersey, and my mom's yep. Canadian from Montreal. So like they're both in a way northeastern. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I went for one year, my brother, my, and my brother went for one year to different camps at different times. Sure. And we just didn't like the sleepaway camp. We just did like the day camp thing, but it was like, it wasn't in it, but like, it, re- it actually really bothered my mom that like, that like something that was so integral to her, like childhood up until sure. she was like 18 or something like that. Cause like, well, it, it, and all it, that. it usually, usually becomes a generational thing, uh, with a lot of families, uh, you know, where, where the parents went, the, 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 the next generation, you know, goes to, and, you know, we, we see a lot of that in our camp and, you know, many other camps, uh, you know, have that connection, uh, you know, from, from parent to child, to, to grandchildren and, and, uh, and, you know, generation to generation. Well, my, my cousins in Canada, it, it did that there. It was definitely like my aunt and uncle went and they went for like from the age of like age 22 you know right of course some, some campers they're there until like they literally can't be there anymore mm-hmm. so, exactly is it like that over i mean it's a sports camp so i feel like it's not as much of that but uh, no we still we still get a lot of that too because you know we we run a traditional type program so uh uh you know we we have kids uh you know, whose parents uh, were, were campers with us. Uh, you know, some of our, uh, you know, we have a few of our staff members uh, who were campers, 
uh, growing up uh, and, and, you know, have children that, that come as well. Actually, uh, you know, family that lives out in L.A. Uh, uh, is, is like that. Uh, um, you know, the mom uh, went to camp as a, as a child and, uh, you know, has become a staff member with us and her children have been, uh, you know, come to camp for, for a number of years now, too. And, uh, you know, hopefully that generational uh, uh, connection, you know, just keeps continuing. Hopefully. That's all. That's always uh, it's always nice to see. Uh, I want to ask you, do you have time for, for one last question? Sure. Cool. Uh, now, when it's not this summer, you're working in like the coaching business with quarterbacks specifically. Yeah. Uh, you started with a guy from Rutgers a couple years back named Gary Nova. More recently, you coached Trevor Simeon, who uh, was – you know, he was kind of expected to actually have like a, a certain degree of success that he hasn't had, at least not yet. Uh, are there any guys when you look back that, you know, were just, you don't even need to get into the specifics, but just like who were overlooked as. I, you know, I, I think there's always guys that, that, that get overlooked, uh, you know, and it just, you know, becomes a matter of, like I said before, it just becomes a matter of opportunity. Uh, you know, there, there are limited opportunities out there and, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that, uh, you know, should deserve a chance, but, uh, you know, by circumstance, just don't get it. Uh, or when they do, uh, you know, they don't perform at their highest level and, and they're not exposed to, to, you know, more opportunities. So, uh, uh, you know, like I said before, uh, you know, the playing, uh, playing the game and, and, uh, you know, having a long career takes, uh, you know, it takes opportunity and it takes, uh, you know, being able to, to, to take advantage of those opportunities when, when they come. I also feel like there's like a supply and demand thing too sometimes. Yeah. Well, especially the quarterback position. You know, oh yeah. Only, one guy, only yeah. one guy that could get out there. Uh, you know, there's only 32 jobs, uh, uh, you know, each year uh, and, and each week. So, uh, uh, you know, certainly very limited uh, opportunities there and, you know, especially nowadays, uh, uh, you know, with, with with the rules protecting quarterbacks, you, you're seeing QBs with with longer careers and uh, you know, 15, 16, 17, 20 year yeah, careers uh, there. So, you know, the 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 guys, uh, you know, the 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 opportunities, you know, for open jobs uh, in, in the NFL are, are are limited. I yeah, I mean, quarterbacks. There's like definitely a lot a lot of uh, supply. And not too much demand, but also feel like with kickers. Yeah. Like you want one week, one week, one bad week as a kicker, and that can literally end your career. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy I'm not in the NFL. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for letting me bother you. No problem, Max. It's good to be here with you. Uh, you can check out Jay's camps, Brookwood camps on, I think, your website. Yep, brookwoodcamps.com, uh, all the social media at Brookwood Camps. Uh, and then, uh, you know, for the football training uh, uh, program uh, that I run year-round football training, it's primetimecamps.com and, and at primetimecamps for all social media outlets as well. So brookwoodcamps.com, primetimecamps.com, uh, if that interests you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for watching. This has been Bothering Strangers. Thanks a lot, Max.